0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have another really exciting guest on here for you, and it's a subject we actually haven't touched on yet. Today, we're going to be talking to Fred Moskowitz, who is a note investor in Texas and beyond, and he's going to explain all about note investing and how you can get involved too. Hey, Fred, how are you?
1: Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on today, Jordan.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on thanks for dealing with my technical difficulties there in the beginning. I know I we we got started a few minutes later than I would like, and I really appreciate your time. Um, but real quick, Fred, before we go too far, can you just talk about who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. i uh, my name is Fred Moskowitz. I'm known as the alternative investment expert. But my main area of focus and my expertise, is in mortgage note investing, and what is uh, what is mortgage note investing? This is uh, an area that's really a niche uh, area of of real estate, and let's face it, Jordan, a lot of people uh, know about investing in real estate and you have so many wonderful asset classes right we got single family houses commercial properties mobile home parks multifamily we have vacation properties which are really popular right those short short term rentals but how about consider this let's talk about investing in the paper and the paper means all the notes and mortgages that are associated with those properties And this is just a really interesting part of the real estate business. And what I find from speaking with investors is that a lot of real estate investors, they don't pay any attention to it at all. When they think of a note and mortgage, they think of being the borrower and not as being the lender. But when you get involved in note investing, what it does is it allows you to step across the aisle and become the bank. And you transition from being the one that's making the monthly payments to becoming the one that receives the monthly payments. And so note investing, it's just a great way to increase the predictability of your cash flow.
0: Yeah, everybody loves cash flow too. So yeah. Fred, did did you start out investing in notes? Like what was your first real estate investment?
1: Well no, definitely not. I started out in life having a very successful career working as a computer engineer and I spent a lot of time uh working at tech companies and startup companies, right where where you are in Austin. I mean, I watched that grow and just become a booming tech center uh probably second to only to Silicon Valley, right? in Northern California. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've watched so much happen there. But here's here's what happened with my journey: is I experienced watching my entire industry just get flipped upside down because we had the bursting of the dot com bubble in the early two thousands, and then that was immediately followed by the September eleven terrorist attacks. And so I realized that I was way too dependent on that income for my job. I loved the work I did, but my job had all these circumstances completely out of my control. And Jordan, what I learned was that no matter how talented of an engineer I was or how valuable of an employee I was, if things were not going well financially in the company or in the industry, that I could quickly lose my job through no fault of my own. And so that made me realize that it was really important to start building other sources of income so that I wouldn't be so dependent on the paycheck for my job. And with that, I got involved in real estate investing, started building up a rental portfolio, single family properties, a couple of multifamily deals. And after some time through my real estate education, I started learning about note investing. Mm and. What I discovered was that it was really something that you could scale and grow into something really big. And so I got became very interested in that and started uh, quickly ramping up a portfolio of notes.
0: Cool. So when, when you say notes, and there's so many different, like you said, on the one side, you're a borrower, but on the other side, you're a lender. But there's so many different types of assets that could be lent to. What oh, yeah. Type? what type of lending are you doing here? Because a lot of people know about private money. Like you yeah. buy a single family house with somebody else's money, you fix it up and then you go to a bank and refinance and it. Re-fi. So what type of lending yeah. is it? And where do you buy these notes?
1: Yeah. So here's a, a distinction. It uh, What I focus on is residential properties. The notes are originated by banks and lending institutions. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is we're buying notes that exist already on the secondary market.,
0: oh, so like mortgage-backed securities?
1: Well, the ingredients of what makes up mortgage-backed securities, the actual mortgages, we're buying individual individual notes or in pools. Uh, and what happens with mortgage-backed securities is they usually have an end date to them where the entire bond product gets broken down and collapsed. And then all of those loans get sold off in the secondary market. And that's where uh, where we step in to purchase assets out of those um out of those sales that take place. But everyone's experienced this, Jordan, the more, you take out a loan, you get financing, maybe you buy a property or you refinance. And wouldn't you know it, within three to six months after closing, you started making your payments already, and you get a letter from the lender saying, dear Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, please be advised your loan is being sold. Here's the contact information to the new lender. And starting next month, please start sending your payments to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone's experienced that. But this is why
0: I just did. I just got that letter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is the the secondary market at work. Mm -hmm. And what happens behind the scenes is those loans, they're sold maybe in quantity or uh, usually in, in large quantities, but they're sold at a discount. In other words, they're sold for slightly less than the amount owed on the debt. And so that's some of the incentive for investors that want to buy those loans, because what happens is instead of the face interest rate on the note, uh, depending on how much of a discount you negotiated, it drives up your yield. And so it's very possible to earn higher, higher rates of return, especially if you're buying notes that um, took a hit to their value. Maybe there's a material issue with the note or it has become riskier or some other characteristic that results in the discount being greater. And so that's where it creates some opportunity in the marketplace for investors that can step in and purchase and manage that type of an asset.
0: Yeah. And that that sounds great. I fundamentally don't understand how a bank or a lender could sell a note for less than is owed on it. I don't, yeah. I don't get that. Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys.
1: Here's, here's what happens. Think about this. Uh, a bank originates a loan. Right They originate a loan, they collect uh, some fees, some points and all, all that. and mm-hmm. and then they end up holding note, let's say they hold it for six months. So during those first six months, if you think about the amortization schedule, the vast majority of those payments is all going to interest. There's yeah. very little principal. So the loan balance, it barely creeps down in those first uh, first few months. And so the, the bank, their business model is they want to sell that loan quickly so that they can recapitalize, and then they'll just turn around and originate a new loan for someone else. They have a very high velocity of money with that. They want to recycle that mm-hmm. as often as possible. And they make their their money from the fees and the points and all that stuff. So that's that's what happens. Um, and newly originated loans, um, that's why that's how the, that business works. The banks, their their model is to originate loans as quickly as possible, and then they're going to immediately sell them. That's their plan, and then turn around and write a new loan. And so that's why they can afford to sell them at a slight discount. It's not much. But it's it's enough of a discount to incentivize for uh, investors to buy that. Mm-hmm.
0: So they're just essentially, you know, yeah, I, I guess I had known that didn't occur to me. They're essentially the loan originator. So it does make sense for them to get their money back, go retain yeah. another loan, make those fees, make those points, get that first three to six months of interest, and then go do it again rather than hold on to it long term and make the margin.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Um, and so you buy you buy notes. sometimes you buy notes in bulk. Mm-hmm. Who services these notes?
1: Well, that's a great question. Who services the notes? Um, there are loan servicers that exist. This is their business. This is what they do. And so you can go to a loan servicing company. It's one of the most important vendors I feel for node investors to have those relationships with loan servicing companies. Loan servicing company, what do they do? What is their role? The loan servicing company will um, manage the loan on behalf of the lender. They handle all the day-to-day details. For instance, they collect the payments from the borrower. They will handle phone calls from the borrower respond to inquiries. They generate the tax forms that have to go out at the end of the year saying how much interest was paid. Uh, if a loan's going to be paid off or refinanced, uh, the the servicing company will generate the payoff quote and coordinate releasing the lien with the title company that's handling the closing. And uh, they handle a lot of compliance uh, things as well, letters and thing, disclosures that have to get sent out. And they do all of this for a very low cost. Usually it'll be between 15 to $30 a month per loan. Mm. So it's really reasonable. And this takes off a lot of the heavy lifting and the day-to-day management of individual loans from the investors. So in for me as an investor, what is my focus? My focus is on uh, raising capital Mm -hmm. and managing the portfolio and finding notes to buy. And that's what I focus on. And so, um, loan servicing companies, think of them as the same way a property manager manages a rental property Mm -hmm. on behalf of the owner. The servicing company manages the note on behalf of the lender. Okay. And um, actually, in some states, there is uh, regulations, requirements, licensing requirements that actually you have to have your loans boarded with a licensed loan servicer in that state. Okay. And so, uh, but but for me, uh, my business model, I feel that all, we board all of our loans with a servicer, no matter whether it's required or not. It just makes sense.
0: Yeah, $30 a month isn't enough to get paid to deal with that stuff, I bet.
1: Yeah, and they're good at it. They're good at it. They work in high volume, and this is their area of expertise. And so, uh, absolutely, this this allows uh, us as investors to free up our time, and now we can focus on the highest and best use of our time and our focus.
0: Okay. Um, So you just you just kind of said that you don't you've got a property manager or a loan servicer that does most of the work for you uh, what is the is there any day to day work or ongoing work when you're buying notes?
1: There is, and that is mostly in the area of due diligence before you buy mm-hmm. where you're you're looking over notes, you're analyzing them maybe you you have a opportunity to purchase notes and you get a spreadsheet, it'll have a hundred notes in it. And maybe you have to go through all that data and scrub it and see which are the notes that fit into your buying criteria and which ones you want to buy and make sure that there's no um, issues. And that's all part of due diligence, but you have to do that before, prior to buying. So, and I talk a lot about this in my book about node investing. I actually have dedicated several chapters just to the topic of performing due diligence because there's a lot of detail that goes into that.
0: Yeah, and I think due diligence is so important no matter what type of asset you're buying. But oh, after you've purchased it, do you do you still have some ongoing work or is it just done once? It's
1: minimal. Yeah. Okay. It's minimal. Cool.
0: Um, Do you buy notes in every state in the United States or are there states that are better than others?
1: <laughs> well, it's funny, funny you say that. Uh, it it's somewhat random. A lot of it comes down to what, what opportunities you have to buy. Um, we buy nationwide for sure. Uh, I see many investors that they like to stick to specific states, maybe because that's where they have experience working. Um, I'll tell you also, Jordan, that Texas. Is a favorite for note investors uh, because of the laws and the way the the legal system works there. Property rights are very favorable towards property owners and lenders and lien holders in general across the board. And so I find that a lot of note investors they like they look for deals in Texas in the state. Um and, and that's fine. It it um you, you can do that, but if you are open to buying in other states, then obviously you're gonna have more opportunities to to buy notes. One of the hardest things in getting started in the business is finding notes to buy. Okay.
0: So it doesn't really for you, you don't care where they are, you're just gonna buy anywhere. Yeah,
1: like er, anywhere with within reason. Yeah. yeah I mean sure. there's yeah.
0: So you said you said anywhere within reason, is it just the United States that you're buying? You said nationwide. Okay, so you're not. Yeah, just
1: correct. Just in the United States. Yeah. Uh, Not to say it can't be done, Mm -hmm. but now you're dealing with different property laws and some complications about um, doing things across the border. And so it, it can get a little complex. So we stick to within the U.S. Yeah,
0: we've got some pretty good property law here. Um, So Yeah, that's
1: why a lot of foreign investors come to the U.S. to invest, precisely because of that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Property rights in the U.S., pretty good. Fred, what kind of returns are people, and I think, did it change a lot over the last couple of years? So I know mortgage rates were really cheap back in 2021. Are people getting much better returns now on notes because mortgage rates have gone up
1: yeah, that's that's let's let's break break that down. What happens is um interest rates change at any given time, and that does impact the pricing. So it impacts how much of a discount you can negotiate. Wow. um. I would say the returns are, are pretty constant overall. Um in the earlier days when I was getting started, uh you could buy a lot of notes and um you could the new discounts were greater. Pricing was was uh more favorable. And so that impacts your, your rate of return. So what about now? Well, pricing has increased. Um but the rate return has as well. And so it. I feel like it, it all evens out in the end. What's important is, is, are you in the game? Are you active? Are you buying deals, keeping your capital deployed? Because no matter what, uh, when you're buying notes and you have a portfolio, you always have money coming back to you. You have payments coming in, which consist of principal and interest, but you also have loan payoffs that come in. Right? People sell the property or people refinance or anything like that. And so money comes back that you were, you were maybe not expecting. And it's your job, my job as investors, to deploy that, right? Highest and best use. You want to keep your money at work. Yeah. And so when money comes back in, you have to find the next notes you're going to buy to redeploy that capital. Because if you have idle cash sitting in your account, the return on that is zero. And if you factor in inflation, then it's it actually goes negative. Mm-hmm. And so you want to avoid that, minimize that as much as possible within reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the velocity of money. And I think the, the banks know that on their end. It's 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 good to keep that in mind and keep that having that compound interest over time is where you really make money.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And think about it. Banks lend money. That's their business. Mm-hmm. But they do it all the time, whether interest rates are high or low or anywhere in between. They're always lending money. They adjust their business model, their lending programs as appropriate to uh, to do that.
0: So, Brett, I'm very curious because conventional logic would tell me that the return on the note would change drastically over time when interest rates were up and down. I don't know if maybe you you kind of explained it nice to understand it, but how do the the returns on the notes not change? How are they fairly constant?
1: Well, it if you buy fixed rate lo- <clears throat> loans, they're not going to change; they're set. Sure. And so, so if you negotiate you a, a discount note, on it,
0: twenty one and you bought a note today, wouldn't the note today be having a higher rate of return?
1: It could, it could, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it could be set at a higher interest rate.
0: But you, you're saying because in 21, because the rates were so low, you were getting better discounts on the notes? Yes. And that was helping juice mm-hmm. returns there? Yeah, if
1: someone comes along, here's, here's an example, Jordan. Someone comes and has a note, that has a 9% interest rate, right? And they're going to sell that. uh, And then someone else comes along and has a note that has a 3% interest rate. And the same investors are looking at both notes saying, which one do I want to buy? Well, if you discount the 3% note enough, you could get the yields up high enough that it's comparable to the 9%. Uh, loan that you're looking against. And so it it all is impacted by the amount of the discount. And that's that's the name of the game. It's getting good at using a financial calculator Mm -hmm. so that you can look at yields, you can understand how discounting and cash flow works, and an ability to quickly crunch the numbers. That makes sense, and that's that's what we do. What we do as um, as note investors,
0: you try to even out the returns by by figuring out your discount there.
1: Well, you you have to have in mind you have in mind what yield you want to earn, mm-hmm. and then based off of that, you can price a note and make an offer. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what would be a good yield on a note? So let's say I'm a first time investor. Yeah. And I'm looking to buy a note. If I If I'm looking to figure out, because I know for me, when I'm looking at real estate deals and I'm new to an asset class that I'm interested in, I want to know what type of yield I'm looking for and what makes it a good deal. What's that on notes?
1: It comes down to risk tolerance, Jordan. How much risk are you comfortable with? If you're a new investor, like in your example, I would say you're not going to want to take big risks. Not a good idea, not for someone starting out. And so you can be comfortable and okay with earning a lower yield. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Uh, You're buying safer notes where there's lower risk of default. There's not any issues. It has a good track record, good payment history, has a strong borrower, has strong collateral, a strong equity position backing the, the note. And so, if you're looking at no- loans that are super safe and solid like that, uh, I would say you're looking at maybe the 6%, mm. 5, 6% range. Now, as you increase your yield and start taking on more problems and more risk, that can easily get up into 9 10, 12% and up wow. loans um and it comes down to what you're comfortable with but for any investor it's it's like this with any asset class when you're first getting started stick to the super safe deals and you'll get paid less you'll make less but then over time as you gather experience and you learn some different nuances Now you can start to venture out and take on more complicated deals, more complicated problems. It's no different than uh, buying houses and doing renovations, right? Uh, A new person, they're not going to buy a house that has to be stripped down to the skeletons of the the property and structure and rebuild it back up. They're going to buy a house that maybe it just needs some cosmetic work, maybe some small things and um, focus on that. And it just comes down to your experience and what you're comfortable with. So that that's the natural progression with notes. But here's the thing for someone that's just getting started. How, how do you get involved? I, I, there's two ways that I talk about, two ways to get involved in notes. The first way is to go out, start building a portfolio, buying individual notes, Of course, you're going to stick with safer notes that um, have less risk, and building the portfolio. The other alternative is you can be a passive investor, like truly passive, and invest in a note fund. A note fund is where the fund managers, they'll go out and raise capital from investors. They'll pull all that together and buy notes in bulk quantity and now the fund managers they're able to negotiate better discounts, better pricing because they're buying in volume and for the investors they get to benefit from piggybacking off of the expertise, the experience, the relationships, the access to notes that the fund managers have and in return they earn a passive cash flow stream so those are two ways to uh to get involved, and there's no right or wrong answer here with this. It all comes down to how much time do you have. If you have a lot of time, you want to get involved in the business, be active. Be an active investor, build a portfolio. However, if you're maybe a busy professional or a business owner and you're focusing on that, you don't have a lot of time, then perhaps a note fund is the better option. And so you can consider that as well, where you invest your capital, you don't have time to spend managing a portfolio and performing due diligence, someone else will take care of that for you, and in return, you're earning that payment stream coming in each month. And that can be very appealing for for the right person.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the same thing with just... Thinking about normal real estate investing, like you mm-hmm. could be completely active and you could go do all your deals yourself, do all the due diligence, put the deal together, put the debt together, or you could be completely passive and invest in syndication. It sounds like notes, that's the same thing. You could go find the notes and do due diligence on the notes and make sure the notes are getting serviced right, or you could just invest in a fund. Yes. Like yeah.
1: And you can t- transition from one to the other. Well, yeah. I've seen that all, all the time. Yeah. Seniors that started out investing passively in a fund, and then over time they got involved in the business and learned and learned. And then they decided, hey, now I want to start building a portfolio and becoming active. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other vice versa as well. We see that people are active, and maybe the, something changes in their life or. They're getting a little older, and they want to scale back how much of working they're doing. And the transition to being a passive investor, it it comes down to just recognizing where you are in life and what your goals and objectives are.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it, it's the same thing for, like I said, any real estate investor, you have to figure that out. Yeah. Fred? What's the biggest mistake you say you'd ever made in real estate investing? And how would you avoid making that same mistake again?
1: Wow. Um, this is a great question. Um, And I see this a lot Mm -hmm. in business in general. It's sometimes, um, and it happens to all of us, we might be afraid of asking for help. Maybe it's a situation we're not familiar with. Um, maybe it's just that we're trying to do everything ourselves, which is natural for entrepreneurs and business owners who want to do everything ourselves, have that control. No someone else can't do this task as good as I can. But don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. This is what's going to allow you to solve the problems that you need support with, it's going to allow you scale and grow because maybe you're taking tasks that you don't need to do, that someone else can handle them better, and that frees up your time to grow and expand. It it can come down to the idea of working on your business as opposed to working in your business. And this is a natural progression that uh, I feel most business owners go through. But for me, uh, that's something that took time to recognize and understand. And Sometimes we need to have other people around us to help point some of these things out, give us feedback, and help us grow. But this is what allows all of us, to get to the next level of where we want to go. And when you want to grow and get to the next level, the best thing you can do is find someone that's already there and ask them for help. Ask them, spend time with them, observe, learn, bring value to them. Let some of their expertise rub off on you. And uh, when you put yourself around people like that, it's impactful. And that is something that really can help you grow and get to the next level in business and in life.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm a big believer in that. It's uh, the five people you're surrounding yourself with.
1: Yeah. Jim Rohn. Yeah. Jim exactly. Rohn. Yep. Yeah. Very, very f- favorite quote of mine. Yeah.
0: But Fred, if, If you had to start your real estate investing career over today, is there anything you'd do differently? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quick, he wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I would have uh, focused earlier more efforts on uh, building relationships and uh, spending time with people that were further along, further uh, experienced than I, and learning from them. That's something that uh, I feel is so important. The other thing is uh, investing in your your education, like go and travel. Go attend events, workshops, conferences, whether it's on business or uh, general soft skills or uh, business skills. It doesn't have to be related to real estate. You can go and attend a workshop on tax strategies for business owners. That benefits everyone. Who wouldn't benefit from learning about advanced tax strategies and structuring your affairs to pay as little taxes as you're legally required to do so. But this is something you have to take initiative and spend some money and maybe go travel somewhere else and be away for a few days. You know what? It can be a heavy lift to do all that, but it's worth it. If it's going to benefit you in the long run, don't be shy about pursuing those opportunities.
0: You get so many ideas by doing that too. I think you know tra- traveling in general you tend to get good ideas, but when you're you do. traveling to educational events like that, networking with people that are further along than you are or have gone from where you are to being further along than you are, it's just absolutely the magical place to be.
1: It is for sure.
0: I love I love going to real estate conferences and events myself. So Fred, what's what's next for you? What are your long-term goals for real estate investing, and especially in note investing?
1: Yeah, great, great question. Uh, long-term goals is to uh, to grow uh, and expand my body of work, making an impact, teaching and educating others about node investing, the different strategies, the different ways to get involved. Uh, I'm a huge believer in the general concept that uh, our investing can consist of buying and building assets of all types, having a diverse portfolio that generates income for us. And uh, that's something that I'm, I want to seek and continue to, to do that. I feel that so many people, um, they just don't grow up with these ideas, these concepts. And it's uh, something that uh, that everyone needs to learn about, at least be familiar with it. There's so many advanced strategies that I love that have I've had success with. And uh, I love teaching, uh, teaching others about that and getting people excited about putting some of these strategies into effect, because when you do that and you add the element of time and a uh, pursuit of long-term being uh, in long-term game, it changes your life.
0: Yeah, compounds over time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you're 100 percent right. You just don't you don't get exposed to these strategies, and you have to listen to stuff like podcasts and read books and go to conferences to learn about it. So you can figure out what's for you and really go all in on it. Yeah, Fred, what's a favorite business or mindset book that you have? I know you have one too. But will uh, an, a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um a business book, a great one that I love is uh is a classic one. It's called How to Master the Art of Selling, Tom Hopkins. It's a sales book, right? It applies to someone that wants to learn about sales in any any context. But I feel that if you're in as a business owner or an investor, you're in sales, whether you like it or not. It's part of what you do. You're either selling. You may be selling an investment. You may be selling a deal. You may be uh, selling yourself, your skills, your expertise, or maybe you have a product or, or some other uh, format that you're selling. This is important. It it's all about how you interact and engage with people, and the skills for for selling. I grew up learning how to be an engineer, right? So I never learned any of this. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's been new for me, but it's a great journey. It's a great journey. And the way you get better at it is by doing it, by getting in there, getting involved. And so uh, that that's a great business book. Now, when it comes to mindset, uh, one of the classics is Think and Grow Rich, written in 1937 by Napoleon Hill. One of the most impactful books that um, that you can ever turn the pages and re- learn about.
0: I actually re-listen to that one every year, too. I, I like it on audiobook. Nice. Um, the the paperback co- copy is great, too, but I, I just have it on audiobook, and I reload it and re-listen to it every year. It's great. Um, no, that's
1: fantastic.
0: Brad? I completely agree with sales and actually I was thinking about this today like everybody goes to high school or they go to college and you don't learn you don't learn anything about sales you don't learn really anything about communication yeah and I think there's so much value in just getting shoved into hard sales situations whether it's you know door-to-door sales or phone sales, something like that early on in an early age, just to learn how to talk to people. Just
1: to learn skills, to yeah.
0: Learn how to get told no over and over and over and keep going through it.
1: Yeah, because at, at the very minimum, mm-hmm. something we always will be doing is selling ourselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to get a date, you're selling yourselves. You're trying to you get are, a, exactly. You're a date, you're trying to get a job. You want to progress in your job and get a promotion, you know. You whatever you're trying to do, everything you're selling yourself, and or
1: or maybe you want to get involved in a business deal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or even right, people are, are going to want States. to do
1: business with those that are competent, mm-hmm. that carry themselves well, that can communicate effectively.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, I love that. So totally in agreement there, and I was one that did not have sales skills or did not like anything about sales, thought sales was a dirty word. And now I realize it's just communication. And
1: that's it is is. it's communication and building relationships, building rapport.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your your network is your net worth. So gotta learn how to sell. Yeah. Fred, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Website, email, social media, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Best way to get a hold of me. To connect with me is by visiting my website, which is FredMoskowitz.com. Now, if you prefer a little bit of an easier spelling, you can go to giftfromfred.com and it will take you right to my website. Oh, cool. And I have a, I have some an offer there. I have a special report about node investing. Be happy to send that out at no charge to anyone that wants to request it, just go on the website and and fill out the form. And if you're interested in checking out my book, it's called The Little Green Book of Node Investing. You can find it on Amazon. And uh, one more thing, you can text me as well if you prefer. If you like texting, just text the keyword money to the phone number 215 461 four four three three and then just follow the prompts from there but i always love connecting with investors and building relationships and so i invite you reach out connect with me and uh look forward to uh to hearing from you in the near future
0: yeah i love that website too gift from that's pretty easy to remember
1: it's easier to spell than fredmoskowitz.com yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Moskowitz, just for everybody listening, if you just want to go to fredmoskowitz.com, it's M-O-S-K-O-W-I-T-Z. Fred, thank you so much for coming on here today and telling us all about note investing and how that can be a great source of passive income. Uh, Again, anybody wanting to reach out to Fred, go to giftfromfred.com and you can get in contact with him that way. Again, Fred, I really appreciate it. And you have a great day.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Fred.